John chapter 6 verse 63, Jesus said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. A warm welcome to the refreshing word of Calvary Baptist Church. You are in for an uplifting time in God's word. Enjoy the message. Join me as we pray. Dear God, we thank you that you love us so much that you've given us clues that show us your love, how to live a better life. You have come that we may live and live more abundantly. May the entrance of your word bring correction, direction, healing, purpose, and focus. And above all, cause us to stay ready as we wait for your coming. I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We started a discussion on being a good minister. And I said, the Bible clearly teaches that God wants us, particularly those who are called to be ministers, to be good servants. Because there are some who are wicked servants. They are servants. A good servant and a wicked servant. Which one do you want to be? There are many who say God has called them to be ministers, pastors, leaders, evangelists, prophets. Fine. God has called you and given you stewardship of his ministry. The Bible is teaching us how to be good stewards, how to be ready so that when the judgment day comes, you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, it's like preparing for an exam. You have heard, you have seen that a date has been set. Suddenly, you see the exam questions and you have seen the marking scheme and you know what it takes to get an A, a B, a C, a D. E, F. That's what the word of God does for you and I. That's why I love the word of God. Because it gives us the standard and it gives us the marking scheme. So, to be a good minister is what Paul tells Timothy. That young guy who is struggling to be a minister. You who are a missionary. You who are struggling in the village somewhere. You, my lady pastor, being intimidated. You who are almost discouraged thinking all is gone. Will you hang on there? Will you ask God for grace to finish? Would you love to hear him say to you, well done, good and faithful servant? So we read what Paul said. We heard what the Bible tells us, that just be a good and faithful servant. It's not easy. And what must I do to be that good servant? Paul gives a list here. Last week, we ended on the third one. But today I'll go a bit faster. So he tells them, to be a good minister, you instruct believers what God says, what God's standard is, but also teach them about false teachers, false teaching. It means you must know before you teach. Be aware that the false teachers exist. They've always been there from the Garden of Eden, putting doubt in the minds of people. Did God say? Didn't God say? These days they go to school, they read books, they watch the videos and all kinds of doubts. Don't gloss over this. Secondly, you must nourish yourself in the Christian faith, in the Christian doctrine. Yes, be informed, be educated. You must know, you cannot give people what you do not have. So it's a very difficult job. 
steady to show yourself approved unto God. Thirdly, you avoid frivolous speculation. Speculation is ideas. What if, what if, what if? Instead of having Bible discussion, you just engage in what some will call mental gymnastics. What if, what if, what if? The things that are given are given. The things that are not given, they are not given. So what if will not help you? Sometimes we do those as academic exercises. But as a minister, that should not be your hobby. But the fourth one, the minister exercises himself to godliness. And that's what we take care of today. That's what we start off today. What does it mean? The good minister exercises himself in a godly manner. It means the minister is compared to an athlete in these two verses. The two things the minister does is that he puts effort and dedication in what he's doing. Paul writes in the context of the Olympic Games. He was very familiar with the Greek culture. And today you and I know it. Today we are blessed with footballers, with athletes who are making millions and millions of dollars or sterlings everywhere. You know, I like this story about this footballer who was caught. Uh, he was driving his very important, beautiful car, and the police stopped him. And he had a lot of money at the back seat. So the policeman looked into the car, said, hey, what are you doing? You have so much money, the back of your car, cash. And the policeman said, who are you? He mentioned his name. The policeman didn't know who he was. And he turned to him and he mentioned his name. He said, what you are surprised at? That's just my one-week salary. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Over $100,000, somebody's one-week salary for playing, what, football? 100000 People earn more than that. Now, you don't get that easily. It requires a lot of effort. So when the Bible says a good minister exercises himself, Paul is taking the language that means he, the exercise is gymnasta. Gymnasta. He exercises like an athlete, like an Olympic athlete. Like a guy I know, I mean, they're always dancing, doing choreography, they're exercising their body. Okay, they're staying young and healthy. That is what it takes. So when you see them enjoying themselves, how you say, oh, this is, life is so easy. Hey, you'll try it. You'll fall down. You'll crack. you see that your bones are almost breaking. So he said, so the minister must employ all energy, effort, and time, and dedication to be a godly person. The minister is to know that godliness must also be exercised. You must exercise godliness. The things you think about, what you talk about. If there's anything, think about this thing. Make every effort. He says, body exercise is profitable, but godliness is more profitable, far more profitable. So the minister should exercise our body regularly because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But just like we want to be physically fit, you must also focus on godliness. The reason is clear. Godliness bears fruit. Great fruit that everybody can see. The fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, is peace, is kindness, is goodness, is long-suffering. 
it is obvious for everybody to see. So you don't have to tell people, I'm a tree, I'm a mango tree, I'm a pear tree. Yeah, you may be mango, pear, neem tree. But when the fruit is in season, it is possible for everybody to see. So exercise the fruit, exercise godliness, means strive to bear godly fruit. We'll get to more of this later when he asks us to do whatever we need to do to be an example to the believer. So that's another characteristic. The fifth characteristic is that the minister must be a person of reason and purpose. You see, there are some who are in this world, anything goes. But you must be a person of reason and purpose. What you say, your yes must be your yes, and your no must be your no. There are times that you can make suggestions. There are times that you have opinion. There are times when you can get it wrong. When you get it wrong, say, I got it wrong. When you are sure, I am sure. So people build that relationship with you because they know you can be trusted. You are committed to doing what the Lord wants you to do. Have you read in the Bible sometimes, Paul will say, the scriptures will say, I don't have the revelation of God, but I think this is this. I was talking to a man recently about some of the practices we have in this country where people gossip and they tell lies and they say all kinds of things about people in the press or in the media. I said, Ghanaians, you see, we are, it is not easy for us to say, I don't know. People think it is an offense. When they ask you a question, oh, have you heard this man? He's, I don't know. Do you know this? I don't know. So because of that, because they are ashamed to say they don't know, they will tell lies. Have you seen this? Have you heard this? No. What is wrong with this person? Then you add and you add and you add to it. It has become a factory that is booming in this country. But a good minister must be a person of reason and purpose. You are to be very mindful not to be caught in this track. Your words must be trustworthy. If they ask you a question, you don't know it, I don't know it. It's amazing. <laughs> the disciples asked Jesus, when are you coming back? Jesus, when are you coming back? He said, that one I don't know. Only God knows. But there are people in this world who can fix the date and tell you when Jesus is coming. Wow. They know more than Jesus. Well, don't be that type of minister. Because the day will come and go, and they will know that you don't know what you said. You know. Then, in chapter 4, verse 10, the minister must be somebody who is able to suffer reproach. 4.10, Timothy 4.10, For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Hmm. I don't know where the idea came from that it is lazy people who become pastors. Maybe it is. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe some of us are truly lazy. We have nothing else to do, so we decide God has called us. But my dear friend, to be a good minister, if you heard me last week, that for everything in this world to get to the top, it requires labor, diligence, faithfulness. 
So the good minister works and suffers reproach. Work, it means it is strenuous work. It involves labor. It involves fatigue. Whether you are praying or visiting or studying or ministering to people, it involves work, body, soul, and spirit. And it is work. I mean, I can just imagine the luxury we have now, which our Lord didn't have. Let us go. When they say go, they are walking. They say come, they are coming. When he wants to preach, he's going to borrow a boat. But what are we doing these days? I have a car. I have an amplifier. I have microphone. I have a PA system. I have films. I have, we have all kinds of things. And yet some of us are lazy. The minister strives because God is working. He's always working. And the work needs to be finished. Majority of the world has still not heard. Even if they have heard, they are not living the word. So we must strive. God is a living word. God is a living God. So he wants his followers to strive. Can you imagine first missionary journey, second missionary journey, third missionary journey? When I read those accounts, I say, oh my goodness. They beat disciples, they slapped them, they threw them, they thought they were dead. The guy got up again, and because of the word. So when he said, I have fought the good fight. Oh, 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 I've finished the race. I've fought the fight. I've finished the race. My friend, where did you get the idea from that it's a very comfortable work? May God have mercy on us. I don't believe in doing hard work for the sake of hard work. Okay? But I believe we must make up our minds that it calls for sacrifice. Our Savior himself left everything and came here to be born in a manger. He has not asked you and I to be born in a manger. He allows us some of these privileges in this world. But don't let us take it too far. There are some of us, because you are a minister, you don't do anything. Even if it's a cup lying near, somebody must give it to you, your shoe. If it is possible for somebody to eat for you and pray for you, some are so bad and so pampered, so spoiled as ministers, that you want people to wait on you completely, everything. May God have mercy on you. You can never come down to the level of Jesus Christ who washed his disciples' feet. You see, and people watch you. They watch us. So be a good minister. I share a story, not because I want to brag, but just an example. A long time ago, I was going to preach, and I was passing our children's department, and I saw the teachers standing there. What's happening? I said, oh, Pastor, those who clean the room, they haven't come. I said, why haven't they come? So the caretakers, they have not come. So we are waiting for them to come. I said, okay. So I went back to my office. I put my coat down. I rolled my sleeves. And I went down there and I started arranging the chairs. He said, Pastor, why? Why are you arranging it? I said, I have the same hands that they have. They are our employees. I'm the leader of the staff. If they haven't come, that is why you are waiting. I'm sorry. He said, oh, Pastor, if you can do it, we can also do it. I said, is that so? So please, we beg you, go, 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 go. Well, I didn't intend to do it. I didn't plan to do it. 
But when they said what they said, it hit me. That, yes, they are waiting. But when they saw the example, till today, I, I heard them referring to it recently. Ministers, the Lord expects us to serve just like he served. Yeah, there are times when we receive honor. I'm not saying we should be dishonored, but we should not be so pompous and arrogant as if we do not live in this world. We see enough of that from politicians, from rich people, from those people who think that the whole world must wait on them. But Jesus said, the greatest among you must be willing to serve. Suffer, humiliated, be humble, to come down to the level where people can see. That ties into another thing. The good minister commands and teaches these things. You preach and you teach with authority. That's the very reason why you are called to be a minister. You believe the word of God, you teach it, you command it. You have no opinion about certain things. Somebody came to me and said, Pastor, should I be baptized? I said, why? Have you been born again? He said, yes. But in the Bible, the thief on the cross was not baptized. I said, please, I beg you. If you are the thief on the cross, we can talk about it. But the one I work for says, go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Did you hear that? Say yes. But what do you want to do about it? Oh, but Pastor, that's an old one. I said, it's the same old one that I've been asked to teach. I'm not making any new rules. The good minister commands and teaches these things. They command. It's not my opinion. Oh, the water may be cold. Maybe we may find alternatives. But you see, the reason why it is a command is that when even Jesus himself went to John the Baptist to be baptized, John said, hey, Jesus, I don't need to baptize you. Jesus gave John the Baptist a very strange answer. Let it be so for now. For in doing that, we shall fulfill all righteousness. Certain things have spiritual implications. You don't do them because they are good. You do them because you have been ordered to do them. They have implications far beyond this. So I'm not saying this only about baptism. There are things that are in the Bible. The Lord's Supper, the telling of the truth, the worshiping of God, the love of your neighbor. All these things teach people not to be haughty. They are there and we are authorized to teach them and we should do them. Say, so preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. 2 Timothy 4.2 So it's a, it's, it's a loaded passage what you are called to do. But when you go to the next one, chapter 4 of Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.12. Let me read that for you. That's, a, that's the one that almost made me stop Bible school. Let no one despise your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. When I finished school, I was called to do national service in a church. So I was there, and I knew I was a young man. And young people, we do what young people do. So this, my classmate, decided 
She didn't like how the church was behaving. Some of the things that were being taught, so she wanted to go somewhere else. She came and told me. And I was looking at her, I said, ah, we are all classmates. So if you want to leave this church and go, am I the one to tell you not to go there? So you can go. She went, and after a few weeks, she came back. I said, Fred, have you heard anything about the church I said I was going? I said, yes, I heard about it. What did you hear? And now I opened my mouth and said a few things. He said, so you knew. But when I was going, you didn't say anything. I said, ah, but you also knew. After all, we all went to the university together. He said, look, maybe you don't realize that I came to ask you in your capacity as my pastor. I said, but when you came, you told me that you are older than me. He said, well, I wasn't talking about age. You are not getting it. If you are going to be a pastor, learn something. This older person who was my classmate taught me a few things, which Paul was teaching Timothy. That you, Timothy, let no one despise you for your youth. Now, it is somebody despising you, one level. Another one is you despising yourself. Okay? They are two different things. Let no one, if they choose to despise you, they, they can do that. After all, that's their judgment. But for me, she didn't say anything. I just thought this woman is my classmate. I can't teach anything. But set believers an example in speech, conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Let me take them one by one. What is he saying? Timothy was a young man. Therefore, there was a possibility that some in the church will have difficulty in accepting his ministry. How was he to overcome in spite of the anointing? And that is a problem we still have today. People look at your age, either they are older than you or younger than you, or they went to school, more school than you. They have more money, more car, more this, more name, more tribe. They have, no matter what you think you have, somebody has more. I love it when I'm on the road. These days, I've learned to slow down because no matter what speed you are driving, somebody will pass you by me. <laughs> and you also pass somebody. So I've learned to stay within the speed limit. Fine. I'm not competing with anybody. I have nothing to prove to anybody these days. So I've learned. What I'm saying is this. Whatever you do, somebody knows it better than you. So don't despise yourself. If they choose to despise you, give them the reason why they should not despise you. Say, so be an example to the believer in word. That's have control in your conversation and your tongue at all times, no matter what the opposition is. Somebody can rebuke you. Somebody can insult you. He says you're a foolish man. Excuse me to say, you can also open your mouth and say more than that. But he says, be an example in word. You, Timothy, don't let them despise you. So when somebody says, Pastor, you are this and that, you, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> you are trying. It doesn't come naturally. But that's why he said like a gymnast, like an athlete, get some self-control. Bear the fruit. Be an example in word. It's difficult. Then he says, be an example to the believer in behavior. That is, let my conduct be so disciplined and controlled that you demonstrate that you are a true follower and Jesus is your Lord, he's your master, and you are living for him in all godliness and in all righteousness. When you read the Sermon on the Mount, you think Jesus is out of this world. He was just giving them the classic example. If somebody slaps you, turn the other chicken and let them slap you. Did he mean it seriously? 
Yes and no. But that's your attitude. And so this Christian went to Muslim University. He was preaching and teaching. And somebody wanted to prove to him how stupid the teaching is. So the guy went to him and slapped him. Pam! He stood there and said, thank you, in front of the whole congregation of the university. The students were shocked that their professor can slap another professor because he's teaching about Christianity. I guess that man must be boiling, but something took control of him, and he walked to his office. I sat down and knelt down. So when he opened the door, there were people lining in front of the door. He said, we are sorry, we are sorry. If this is what Jesus can do in your life, if you are willing to suffer this humiliation, we are committed to him. This is the true religion. Because there's no religion that should cause somebody to go and slap somebody to test whether the person is a believer or not. What am I saying? Be an example to the world by your behavior. That's why I say, Lord, have mercy on me. They are watching me. It doesn't stop there. Be an example in love. Oh, that word, love. Where the Bible places love in the Bible is a very dangerous place. It is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. There were people who were fighting that they have this and this and this and this gift. The gift of preaching, the gift of teaching, the gift of miracle, the gift of tongue, the gift of interpretation of tongues. So Paul begins, if I, have, <laughs> if I can speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I am nothing. He goes on and on and on and on. And said, of this, faith, hope, and love, the greatest is love. What? Be an example to the believers in love. What is the meaning of that love? Yeah, I can tell it is only Jesus who was perfectly love. But am I even showing a little bit of it? Am I? John, Gospel, 13, 34, 35. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Then he's told all of us, the disciples, but then he says, you the pastor, you. You must be an example of love. What, what does that mean? Lord, why do you call me and give me this type of job description? Lord, if you don't help me, why? And so Peter betrayed his master. Peter is so embarrassed, he's ready to go fishing and desert the job. They miss Jesus. Do you love me? Feed my, I do. Do you love me? Do you love me? He didn't condemn him. That's why Peter was willing to go back. And all the disciples were willing to go back because he showed, Jesus showed to them unflinching and unalloyed love. And he wants us to continue up to today. Be an example in spirit. Being led by the spirit. Spiritual mindedness is the next one. Next characteristic. And the fifth one, faithfulness. That is, you are loyal to Jesus and the church regardless of the demands, the hardship, the opposition, the trials that happen. You are loyal to Jesus and where he has called you to serve. Oh, friends, I'm telling you, there were many things that some of us would have thought about doing. Has the Lord called you? Has he asked you to serve him? Has the end come? Has he said quit? If he hasn't said no, be an example, not only in faith, 
but also in faithfulness. Because at the end of the day, well done, good and faithful servant. Is that what you want to hear? The last. I'm out of time. Be an example in purity. Moral cleanness. Honest life. Completely free of coveting, lusting, worthlessness, self-seeking, immorality. The church has become a commercial place that people have devised all kinds of tricks in the book and outside the book to cheat widows, orphans, those who have, those who have not. Say, see my prosperity, then you know God is good. Be an example to the believers in how you think and the motive behind the things that you do. Friends, there must be a part three of this and it's coming. Stay blessed. Amen. You just heard the radio broadcast from Calvary Baptist Church, headed by Reverend Dr. Fred Bay. We trust you've been blessed. Do join us on Sunny FM every Saturday from 8 to 8.30 p.m. for an awesome time in the Word of God. Locate us right opposite the Mr. Biggs restaurant in Adabraka near the Kwame Nkrumah Interchange. As well, we're in Shiashi across the motorway from the Accra Mall. In Oibi, we're near the Cares Valley Event Center at the Goyal Filling Station. Our Amasamine campus is on the Danbridge Montessori School premises near the Amasamine Government Hospital. Again, we're in Botiano, opposite the Botiano Polyclinic. Otherwise, follow us on Facebook at Calvary Baptist Church GH and on YouTube at Calvary Baptist Church TV or email us via calvarybaptistghana at yahoo.com. You can also call us on 024-369-0485 or 0302-231-854 or reach us on WhatsApp number 0200-181680. God bless you.